Thank you too for everyone who, despite rising to the challenge, was unable to find more important things to do than come to the prayer meeting. It was just a great week. Um, the morning prayers were um, just quite amazing, and the evening ones, we had some great times together. And uh, my name's Dave, as Adrian has said, and we're looking in this term through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And mostly we're going to do it in quite small chunks. Today we're going to do um, a very big chunk. Um, but the last two weeks, we started off uh, in chapter 1, and we looked at how the church in Thessalonia, and we're, we're looking at this church to see what we can learn and what we can be as open door, as God's people here in Kettering and Northamptonshire. And we saw that the Thessalonian church was built on the Word of God, is built on their joint lives together, and is built on signs and wonders. Motivated not by the need to impress, or by the law, or legalism, or having to do things, but motivated by faith, love, and hope. Last week we saw how this church was built on a prophetic dream that Paul had, and uh, Adrian drew our attention to the fact that the dream for Open Door came from a vicar over in Barton Seagrave who wanted another church in Kettering. And uh, out of that dream, Open Door has been built. We saw how it was built on the power of God. And we saw how it was a model that spoke across an area. Now, today we're actually going to be looking at chapter 2 and 3. <coughs> but really, I'm... Speaking from this verse, from um, chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says of the Thessalonian church, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And today we're looking at Paul and how we can imitate him. We're going to be looking at Paul's ambitions, Paul's example and Paul's prayer. Three neat points. Paul's ambitions, his example, and his prayer. But I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians and chapter 2, verse 1. This is Paul writing. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, our, you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil, 
hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but, it as, but what it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. We're now going to go to the bottom of chapter 3, verse 11. This is Paul again. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Father, we, just, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak into our hearts. Encouragement and faith. Correction where necessary. Holy Spirit, come and teach us from your word, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul's ambitions. Chapter 2, verse 2. Paul had an ambition to preach the gospel wherever he went. Now, Paul had such an encounter with Jesus that so turned his life around. Whereas before, he'd been a Pharisee who lived by a series of rules and regulations, and he'd, he'd been really good at it. Just put my microphone back over my ear. And he'd been, he'd been a really good Pharisee. But when he met Jesus, he realized that wasn't the way. The way was to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That Jesus on the cross had paid or paid the debt we owed the Father. He lifted from us our guilt and our shame through the cross. And Paul was so enthused with this that his ambition was to preach wherever he went. Now personally, I'm quite challenged by that. Because <laughs> I want people to come to know Jesus. I want them to know what I know of him. I want, I want them to know the lifting of guilt, the lifting of shame, the lifting of having to do things right just to, just to make sure I'm okay with God. The receiving of the forgiveness of God, the receiving of the favour of God on my life for no reason whatsoever other than he chose to give it to me. I long for people to know that. But so often the embarrassment of having to share it, the uncertainty of how it will be received, the sort of, oh gosh, will I be able to communicate this properly, actually prevents me from stepping back. So I'm quite challenged when I, when I read of Paul and the way that he was so bold and courageous. 
but surely as a church. Our ambition is for the people of Kettering, the surrounding towns and villages across Northampton, we want to see Jesus being magnified, glorified, lifted up. We want to see buildings full, of resounding with praise to God, not just on a Sunday, but day after day after day. Surely as a church, that's what we want. And some of you are much more bold and courageous than I am. And you've got to encourage me and push me on and urge me on. Others of you are even more shy and more reserved than me. So I've got to push you on. And together, we can keep pushing on till Jesus is known throughout Northamptonshire. His goal, his ambition was to preach the gospel. But he had a second ambition, which we read here, which I personally think most of us don't realise this isn't our ambition. In our heads, we'd probably say it is. In our hearts, we're not so sure. His ambition was not to please people. Not to please people. He wanted to please God. His ambition was, I want to please God more than people. But so many of us actually live pleasing people even though we are pleasing God in it. But Paul's ambition was, I do not want to be a people pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. And no matter where I am, I want to be doing what God wants me to do. And actually some of that, it would be interesting, I'm not going to do this, but to ask, what is the one thing that God really wants you to do? And actually, it's quite clear in the Bible what that one thing is. The one thing God wants you to do is to believe on Jesus. To believe that he has paid everything. To believe that in him you are clothed in glorious robes of righteousness. So that today, without having to sacrifice a pigeon or a sheep or a goat as you came in, we were dressed ready to be in the king's presence and when we wake up tomorrow morning and it's tipping down with rain and the kids have been up two hours longer than they should have been and the milk's gone off and you're looking at the week ahead you are still clothed in robes of righteousness ready for the king you may not feel like it but your feelings aren't the truth. The truth is you are clothed. I am clothed for the king. No matter what my circumstances, no matter what my, my, my attitude is, no matter how grumpy I am, no matter how happy I am, I am clothed for the king. And Paul wanted to please God. And so he first and foremost believed in Jesus. And you'll find throughout his letters, he so concentrates on the grace of God. That is Paul's ambition. Mine is to get a mic that stays on my ear. 
What about Paul's example? Paul says this. And what we're looking at here is how Paul treated people. And what we're going to learn is how we should treat people. Paul says this. <clears throat> we're not looking, to, looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. In chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Instead, we were like young children among you. Now, I am going to make an assumption here, which I think is fairly clear. He is not talking about the example children give in the middles of Tesco, Sainsbury's and Little when they collapse on the floor screaming, I don't want any more! Or when it's bedtime and say, I don't want to go to bed! I don't think he's talking about that example of little children. Although, of course... He doesn't say that, so you could, if you wanted to preach somewhat inaccurately, Paul and his strop at Thessalonians. <coughs> I think he is talking about a different example. As many of you know, I have ten grandchildren, two of them in Australia. But over the summer, we took eight of them um, down to Hastings to be with to my sister's house. And there they had met with some cousins. They're fairly scattered across the nation. Got two, one in South London, one in North London, some in Nottingham. And then they met with the cousins. And we, my sisters now live together. They've got a big house, big garden. And so there were, I don't know, 10 or 12 young children going from 12 down to 2 in the garden. And they know each other a little bit. What was interesting, and what is interesting with young children, is they just start playing together. They sort of bump into each other, and they start playing. And there's, there's no guilt. There's no shame. There's also, as many parents will know, there are no secrets. They... They just don't have those sort of walls that we as adults have. And you just see them, they're all bouncing around and playing and talking and sharing things and telling things about their mums and dads, which mums and dads didn't want them to be taught. It's like, how do they do this? And we once, in our, our house, we had... I think five, plus our own, that would have been six, seven, eight. We had eight teenagers, eight ranging from 13, actually, to just early 20s. Um, five of them had known tremendous abuse in their lives. And they were all living with us. And suddenly, they just became like little children. It was like so much of the hurt and the pain suddenly just lifted off them. And uh, we, we used to come home from work, Leslie and I, and they'd be in the front room, and they would have got all the bed quilts in the front room. And they were just watching Disney videos. And they were like little puppies, all sort of 
cuddled up in bits, sort of legs and arms and bodies all over. But suddenly there was no secrets between them. There was no shame. There was no guilt. They weren't worried. They weren't worried that they might be noticed if they sat in these more comfortable black chairs. They were just like little children. When Paul says, when I was among you, we became the team like little children. And elsewhere he says it, we shared our very lives with you. There's no shame, no guilt, no secrets. There was just love. There was fun. There was, there was enjoyment of being together. This lot of kicking a football. This lot were kicking each other. This lot were throwing a football. This lot were sitting and reading. Like little children. Isn't that something to imitate for all our adultness, all our secrets, all our uncertainties, all our pain, the sense of trying to appear as if we've got it all together. And this one was hurt, I just start crying. I'm hurt. And this one didn't like it. I don't like this. It's my turn, not yours. Becoming like little children as a group of God's people. Isn't that worth imitating? No judgment acceptance of what we are imitating Paul in becoming like a little child later on he said this just as a nursing mother cares for her children so we cared for you because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul's example was of little children. His, his example was a nursing mother. How much we have to learn. A nursing mother. Protective. They don't want their child hurt at all. They're holding them, cuddling them. It's interesting that he uses the word nursing mother. The intimacy of that relationship, of feeding that little baby. Isn't that something to imitate? But that's how we care for one another. As Paul did this church, 
as a nursing mother, intimate, protective, feeding, caring, loving. That baby can do nothing wrong. Even when it feels like it at three, I mean, three in the morning, then at four in the morning, then at five in the morning. You're still there. I can remember with one of our children, she used to, used to cry from about five o'clock in the evening till 11 o'clock at night. There was nothing you could do except get a babysitter. And then tell them, don't worry, she just keeps crying. They're still worried. We just held her. We walked with her. Didn't put her outside. Didn't say, you're making too much noise. You wish she would stop. But you just had to carry her through. For about two and a half years. Till she learned to talk. And she hasn't stopped talking since. <laughs> like a nursing mother caring for one another. Paul talks in chapter 2 verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work day and night in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. Paul's example was like little children, like a nursing mother. It was the hard work of the labor of love that we talked about in the first week. That second mile discipleship. Where you just go on caring and caring and loving and loving. That's why you need to know you're clothed in God's, God's clothes. Because that's where you get your strength from. I can assure you, I can't go on loving and loving and loving and loving. I can do the first step. <laughs> Second one at a push if I really like you. Third one, tough luck. But that's what God has given is the strength to keep on loving because it's his love, his endless love, that love that has such height, depth, breadth and length. Why do you need to draw on that so that we can continue the hard work of loving one another? And then he, then he goes on. For you know how we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging. His ambition was to preach the gospel. His ambition was to please God, not people. His example was like little children, a nursing mother, the hard work of the second mile discipleship, and then as a father, encouraging, comforting, and urging. This is something to imitate. It is something that Paul is not writing 
to leaders and saying, <coughs> leaders, this is what I want you to be like. He's writing to the church and saying, this is what I want the church to be like. This is what you were, Thessalonians. You imitated me, you imitated God, you imitated the other churches of Judea, and you became like this. That's surely where we want to go. To be like little children among, us, among each other. To be caring for each other like a nursing mother, putting in the hard work, and then as fathers each and every one of us encouraging comforting and urging and the trick really is to make sure you're encouraging those who need encouraging comforting those who need comforting and urging those on that need urging that's really the trick of it you don't come in and you encourage everyone because some people don't need encouragement they need hang on a minute you need urging on a little bit you're, you're not actually getting this quite right. You're not actually living quite in the grace of God because you think you've still got to do it. You've still got to look good when you come through the door. You've still got to be perfect before you say anything in the church. No, God has given you everything that you need. Now, come believe Jesus has done everything for you. For others, they need comforting. Encouragement isn't the right thing. They need comforting. And for that, we need the Holy Spirit sensitivity. We want to be those who are imitating Paul's example. Paul's prayer at the end of chapter 3. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Just put your hand up if you believe God answers prayers. Right? We all believe that. Imagine the impact of all of us praying that prayer for the next week, every day, for open door. That God would make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God. Notice he says, strengthen your heart. He doesn't say, may he strengthen your ability to do what is right so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God. He says, strengthen your heart. Because it's with our hearts that we believe what Jesus has done. And as our hearts are strengthened in that belief, so we know we are blameless and holy. And as we believe we are blameless and holy, we will want to walk in blamelessness and holiness. And so it will change the way we live. I'd like to say, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. 
pray it every day this week for Open Door. And let's see the impact of imitating Paul, his ambitions, his example, and that simple prayer. Let's stand together. Father, we do thank you for your amazing love for each one of us. We thank you for your passion and your desire for us to know your Son, your passion and desire for us to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And I ask you now to come and just take the words which were good and build them into our hearts and the words that were rubbish to help us to leave those aside. But God, will you continue to change, mature, develop, and expand open door? That we might take this example of Paul, his ambitions, his example and this simple prayer and bring it to life across Northamptonshire and wherever we live for your glory to be shown in the earth in Jesus name Amen <laughs>